Boston's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos, 6.30 Chad. All right, well, the Eskimos have signed somebody, and uh, I doubt you've heard of this person. Clearly a depth addition. Wide receiver Nate Odshea. Played two seasons with Toronto, had 11 receptions for 124 yards and one touchdown. I know people asking about Aaron Grimes, the outstanding defensive back for the Eskimos, still keeping his NFL aspirations alive. And then if he doesn't land a job there, hopefully the, the Eskimos have a pretty good chance to sign him. Reed Wilkins with you inside sports on 630 Ched. NHL tonight 6-4. The Sabres outscore the Canadians. So uh, I guess the Sabres jump back ahead of the Oilers, don't they? In the uh, overall standings. Oilers push back down to 29th, if you're keeping track. The Kings beat the Rangers 5-4 in overtime. Tanner Pearson, the game winner. Penguins over the Hurricanes 2-1 in a shootout. The Avalanche and the Red Wings are in overtime, tied at 2 the Predators are trying to hold off the Lightning. They're up 3-2 in the final minute. The Blues leading the Panthers 5-3 late. And it's 1-0 for the Coyotes. Actually, why is that not updated? Well, the NH this NHL website, by the way, is an abomination. It says the game is scoreless on the website. I know for a fact Shane Doan scored. I'm trying to look over at the TV. I think it's still 1-0 for Arizona. Uh, that is so weird. 2-1, the Golden Bears leading Mount Royal. Last time we checked, that was late in the first period. 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. I believe Chris from Phoenix has called in tonight. A little later in the show than he usually does, but I'm glad to hear from him. Chris, how's it going? Hey, man, just uh, finishing up some uh, some moving. I, don't, I didn't get a chance to hear anything that was on the show. I didn't get to call in last night. Uh, I work late uh, Monday to Thursday, but uh, I just want to comment on mcdavid like oh my god like scoring in the nhl scoring one goal scoring two goals you know three three points in the nhl that's like uh you know unheard of sometimes and, and here's a 19 year old kid that's missed 90 90 days this year he comes in and he puts up five points against yes an ahl team but that's that's ridiculous as a 19 year old and uh i I know some, like I said, I haven't uh, listened today, so I don't know what uh, what the people were talking about. And I know last night we kind of started out kind of poorly, and, you know, it is what it is. Uh, I have I have ultimate faith in this team right now. Uh, we have we have pieces that we can deal. We're not even talking about our first-round pick, this uh, first-round pick that we're going to have that could be, you know, anywhere from a top three to who knows. It uh, depends on how we finish. And then, uh, you know, we got McDavid, and I have the ultimate faith. This kid is going to draw some people to come to this, to this, to this city and to this team. Just because you look at whoever you put with McDavid, the guy's a, the guy plays amazing. You got Yakupov who started with them this year. He played pretty pretty decently. You got Pouliot that's lighting it up since McDavid's come back. Eberle is scoring like a like a machine. And uh, McDavid has 12 points in what six games. So I'm not worried. Uh, we're we're going to make some trades here. We're going to sign some people, and for the first time in a very long time, we actually have a competent GM. So you know I'm happy. And uh, go, go on. Couple couple, couple things. He has been in on 12 of the Oilers' 20 goals since he came back from injury. I'm pretty sure that's 60%. That's pretty good. 
Also, go back and watch his second goal last night. This is what you missed earlier. I was talking about this, and, and, and I think people will find it interesting. On his second goal, if, if you watch what happened, Mark Fain is able to pinch because McDavid is in a good position defensively. I know it's in the offensive zone, but he is already covering and reading the play for a pinching defenseman. Fain's able to take a gamble that really wasn't the gamble because McDavid's covering. He keeps the puck alive. McDavid pivots, finds the soft there of the ice, and bang, it's in. And how many times have we seen Oilers forwards cheat with their body position, turn their hips right so they're away from the puck, or they're hoping for that offensive chance, or stay too deep in the offensive zone, and and then it goes back the other way. I mean, we got McDavid already maybe being one of the most trustworthy players to the coaching staff. Oh, exactly, and he makes up. You just watch this kid. Like, it... Like, there is no place on the ice that this kid can't be, like, in a, in a split second. He has got wheels for – and it's not just that he's fast. Like, there's been a lot of lot of kids that are fast, right? A lot of NHL players. That, like, Michael Grabner from Toronto is, is blistering fast. But you look at McDavid, and, and Ferraro made a, a, a comment a few days ago, and he said that normally hockey players, when, when they have the puck, they slow down. This kid seems to just go faster when he gets the puck, which is, like, un- unreal because, you know, he's lugging a puck, and he, he seems to just to, to effortlessly blow by, by, by people. So it's, his, his hockey IQ is, is through the roof. Like, it, he's 19 years old. Can you imagine, like, somebody uh, t- uh, tweeted something yesterday. Panarin, when he started playing in the KHL, yeah. David was 11. Yeah, Can you imagine just – just the IQ and, and the level that he's going to be at when he's 23, 24, 25. Like, it's going to be ridiculous. But I uh, love the show it, and uh, go for it. Sorry. Is it true it was 29 in Phoenix today? 29. Well, uh, uh, Celsius-wise, I'll, I'll go I'll go by Fahrenheit since I've been down here for a long time. But I think it was uh, in the mid-80s today. So, yeah, it's been like that for the last couple of days. It's kind of worrying kind of worrying so, me down here because uh we might be breaking 100 here and it's like not even a, oh, not even april so that's, that's gonna, uncomfortable suck, yeah that's too hot <laughs> that, chris thanks for listening man i hope you had a good day moving you too thanks man all right that is chris couple text messages here uh this person says reed we cannot draft a championship team uh, after Rogers' place is built and peter cannot sign a pronger you will have to talk about it unless we draft a pronger and uh, this texture, oh, Sam G says, Hey, Reed, I hope, I just hope when we think trading this player and that player, it is for long term thinking and not because that particular player had a bad two weeks or a month, because it could come back to bite us in the rear end. But I really think this management group has in mind the long term future of the team. They aren't tricked by a small sample of games. Well, I, I do think probably if, if you were to ask him, he, and Peter Shirley hasn't been talking a lot to the media. He's pretty careful. I would wager a guess that he has seen enough. And I don't mean that in like a frustrated way. I think he knows now what the players are. And he probably already has a pretty good idea what he would like to do in the summer. Um, just obviously you can't do it yet. You can text 630-630. When we get back, Steve Hamilton, the head coach of the Edmonton Oil Kings, will catch up with him inside Sports on Chet. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. 
live at the Terwilliger Rec Center tonight. It's the Family Day Classic, raising funds for the Stollery Children's Hospital Foundation. Games going on all through the long weekend, right until Monday. You can get the schedule, familydayclassic.com. If you are uh, in the vicinity or you want to come check this tournament out, it is pretty special. And boatloads of really cool silent auction items, sports and otherwise related. Heck, there's a basket full of wine sitting across from me and engineer Mike Evans, who did all the hard setup technical work. Mike, we could just grab that wine. We'll just leave a 20 on the table. No? All right. Good things Mike is my conscious here. Conscience. Not conscious. <laughs> Mike keeps me conscious as well <laughs> for by not drinking all the wine. All right. 780-496-0063. The text line is 630-630. Fun Friday. Hope you have a great long weekend planned. A couple of games coming up for the Edmonton Oil Kings. Their head coach is Steve Hamilton. Steve, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Great to have you back on the show. Great to have you back on the show. You guys getting ready for uh, the old Family Day matinee series? What you got tomorrow, and then you got Monday afternoon. Yeah, a little bit of a, a different schedule, having back-to-back two o'clock games. But uh, I guess a, a hockey doubleheader here at Rex all tomorrow, and then uh, and then we play two o'clock on Monday as well. All right. Well, now let me ask you this: We always talk about how matinees affect players' routines. How does it affect the the coach's routine? Do you do you like these afternoon games? Uh, a little bit different, I I guess probably uh, just condense the day and um, you know just your routine changes a little bit. But in terms of your preparation, I, I do a lot of mine the night before and try and uh, work through as much video as you can and kind of get everything put together. And then we have our our usual meetings on game day. So. No, not a huge difference. Just certainly alters the time you usually get to the rink. Do you notice anything different in the players? Uh, I, or, I mean, have you ever had players that were maybe really good in the afternoon or, or really bad in the afternoon? Were you worried a little bit about them for the 2 o'clock games? I don't think it's a – you know, one of the things we talk about is making sure that you get up and get the engine running a little bit earlier than maybe you would on a normal day. and. Uh, you know, I'm a big believer in energy put out as energy returned. And so, you know, not sleeping until 11.30 and then rolling into the rink, wondering why you wouldn't have any energy. You need to get up and, and get into the world. And certainly I think our guys have, you know, done a good job at that. We've had a few matinees this year, and um, for the most part, the guys seem pretty energized. 11.30, isn't, isn't that early, Steve? Or is that just my, <laughs> my, my broadcaster's clock? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just what happens when you host a sports show in the evening, I guess. Uh, all right, so uh, you got uh, Lethbridge tomorrow and uh, Tri-City coming up on Monday. What can you tell me about the Lethbridge Hurricanes? Because they are a team that uh, has struggled in recent seasons, and uh, this year they have 38 wins in 54 games. How come they've been able to turn it around a bit this season? Well, a little bit of a... You know, a change in philosophy, I think, with the organization and uh, really good hire on their part. Uh, Brent Kissio has uh, uh, done an excellent job as a, a first-year head coach there with that team. And, I mean, he was with Calgary for years and years and been a big part of their success. And, I mean, I think they're, they drafted well and a lot of their younger guys have sort of matured into the real high-end skilled players that you, you see dotted all over the uh, – the league scores and 
they're certainly a very up-tempo team that that plays a high-energy brand. And you know, in all honesty, they're they're a fun team to watch. You know, they're not a great team to game plan against, but they are a lot of fun to to watch play. And they certainly, uh, you know, the Georgia Estefan, you know, is a, is a perfect example. He's an Edmonton kid who, you know, in his early years there, you know, he struggled through some some tough times, but you know, now in his 18-year-old season, you can see he's a uh, you know, he's a premier player in our league and, and a guy that, uh, that stuck with it. And, and that group kind of matured right around the same time. You know, a bunch of those players really matured together. And, and you can see that it's, it's had a huge impact on their team. You got Brett Pollock leading uh, your team in scoring 57 points, 55 games. Uh, Bob Stoffer talked to Brandon Baddock today on Oilers Now, who has 20 goals and 110 penalty minutes. Uh, and, and he, uh, I, I know you go on hockey fights and you can watch everything. He, he, I think over the years now, he has fought Big Keegan Kanzig, who's like three foot seven, uh, I think three times in his, his in his career. So was that something you you expect that that they're going to go when uh, when you're up against each other? Well, he's got a bit of a certainly a tough element to his game. Brandon does, and um, I think you know probably one of the greatest things about his game is that he's developed into a really good hockey player. And you know, you see by having a twenty-goal season, and you know, you look at the penalty minutes. He certainly isn't a stranger to the physical side of the game, and those are kind of rare commodities. It's not easy to find those types of players, and. You know, good on him for developing his game, and and we certainly rely on him in a ton of different situations. And you know, the fighting aspect in hockey has certainly changed over the over the time. And but it is still an element that's there, and and he is certainly uh, one of the tougher customers in the league for sure. All right, you've been with the Oil Kings for a few seasons as head coach and associate coach. You and I first got to know each other when you were coaching in the Alberta Junior Hockey League. Uh, you had your most success uh, with the Saints. Who's the best fighter you've ever coached? Okay, I'm going to dip way back in the archives here. And uh, this is when I was a really young coach. I was all of, I think, 22 or 23. I just finished playing and was coaching out in Sherwood Park. And there was two guys, one by the name of Jeff Wasco who was uh, a great big guy. He's about six foot seven, six foot eight. He's just huge. And uh, another defenseman by the name of Dave Greenway. And uh, both of those guys were uh, were really tough customers. And to throw a third one in there is uh, a guy by the name of Bob Majelski who went on to oh. play it uh, for the uh, Alberta Golden Bears. And I can confidently say that the Bob was the middleweight champion of that league at that time, and hockey was a little different back in '95, '96. It was a that was definitely a, a bigger part of the, the game. So, those were guys I, I would recall as being pretty tough customers. I would uh, certainly throw Brandon back in that conversation, and and a fellow by the name of Tyler Barr, um, who we had out in Spruce Grove a few years ago, uh, was a pretty tough kid too. Well, those are all good names. I'm familiar with a couple of those guys for sure. N- Nijelski, actually, I, I saw play at the U of A. I, all those, well, I guess, you know, I, I, Wasco was a pretty big guy. Uh, Nijelski, you said middleweight. What do you think makes a good fighter? Because obviously it's not just size. I mean, Matt Hendricks isn't a big guy for the Oilers, but he'll, he'll go out there and fight. What do you think makes a good fighter? Oh, uh, 
quick, heavy hands, you know, the ability to, uh, I think, you know, having a bit of a strategy too and understanding, uh, you know, body position. You, you can see the guys that they throw direct, the ones that throw, you know, big looping punches tend to get exposed and the guys that throw direct hammers right down the pipe and they're able to, you know, the guys that can switch hands too is, is a pretty, uh, it's a pretty deadly element when you add that in because, you know, it, it just changes everything, the angles and and uh, the exposure that you can limit yourself to and then the ability to, to catch a guy off guard. I guess those are some of the things that you'd look for in some tough guys. But like I said, uh, the evolution of that, that character, that role, it's, it's almost become scientific with some of these guys. And, um, you know, you, you look at even the the last of the NHL heavyweights and, and those guys all have a, a bit of a game plan going into every fight and you can, you can see they're well aware of who throws which way and tendencies and things like that so I guess it's even a pre-scout on the fights Yeah, well the, <laughs> the video is everywhere, that's for sure Alright, so you got Lethbridge uh, tomorrow at 2, Tri-City Monday at 2, people can go to oilkings.ca and we, we spent so much time talking about uh, fighting there's going to be a lot of other good plays in those games as well steve thanks a lot for joining us today hey thank you reed that is steve hamilton the head coach of your edmonton oil kings oilkings.ca for more information so a double header tomorrow oil kings at two oilers at eight and of course our oilers coverage will start at 6 30 all right we're coming up to the 8 30 news still ahead we'll update the scoreboard and this is going to be fun greg drennan long time reporter in the Western Hockey League. They have started counting down their top 50 players of all time. He'll give us some of his thoughts on who they should be when we get back. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. All right, welcome back. Reed Wilkins coming to you from the Terwilliger Rec Center tonight for the Family Day Classic. Great minor hockey tournament going on all long weekend right through until Monday. Quick look at the scoreboard here. The Golden Bears completely in control now at Mount Royal, up 6-2 late in the second period. The rematch will be at Claire Drake Arena tomorrow night at 6 if the Bears sweep. They get second in the Canada West regular season standings, and they have a bye in the first round of the playoffs. American Hockey League action tonight. The Oilers farm team, the Bakersfield Condors, leading the Ontario Reign 1-0 halfway through the first period. Anton Slepeshev has his seventh goal of the season. Anders Nilsson in net for the Condors tonight. He has stopped all ten pucks directed his way. In the National Hockey League, 3-0. The Coyotes taking it to the Flames. They're in the second period. The Sabres beat the Habs 6-4. Kings over the Rangers 5-4 in overtime. In a shootout, Pittsburgh beat Carolina 2-1. The Blues outscore the Panthers 5-3. The Lightning in overtime. Tyler Johnson the winner. 4-3 win over Nashville. And in a shootout, the Avalanche sneak past the Red Wings 3-2. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Oh, wow, it is now 7-2 after two. Golden Bears leading Mount Royal. So they are going to win that one. And I'm going to bring in a gentleman who uh, 
Well, I know he knows all about the Golden Bears hockey program, and he especially knows all about the Western Hockey League. Long-time uh, Western Hockey League reporter Greg Drennan joining us tonight. Greg, welcome back to the show. Thanks for making time for me on a Friday night. Well, thanks for having me, Reed. Anytime. Yeah, good to see you. So, tell you what, list all the WHL players who wound up playing for the U of A. List all of them. <laughs> well, I start with Ian Herbers. Right. <laughs> it's a uh, it's a it's a long list. Kellen, just to let you know, I'm getting a little feedback on my end here with uh, with the phone call. If you can uh, if you can work that out, but uh, yeah, it's uh, the WHL. Yeah, it might, it might be easier to list the ones that, that didn't. The WHL scholarship program has helped hugely for uh, for players going to CIS, hasn't it? Oh, for sure. And uh, the, the Golden Bears, I think, were one of the first ones to recognize the possibilities because it, it's just been a been a steady stream. And I, I can tell you that. Okay, uh, Kellen, you... did we lose Greg there? Because I can't hear him now. I'm still here. Okay, good. Okay, good. I was like, oh, I was like, oh, I can't hear anything. I must be done work early. <laughs> yeah, not so lucky. Uh, all right. Well, let, let's uh, let's segue into our into the, the reason I called you this afternoon and invited you to come on. Is it's a pretty it's a pretty fun thing. The Western Hockey League is putting out five guys at a time over the course of a couple of months the top 50 players in league history. For those who haven't seen the list, Greg, I'll just quickly say who has been picked so far. Number 50, Stu Barnes. 49 is Ray Whitney. 48, Darcy Tucker. Duncan Keith at 47. Cliff Ronning at uh, 46. And they just put out in the last 24 hours here. Pavel Brendel at 45. Brent Sutter at 44. 43 at Sam Reinhardt. 42 is John Davidson. Back with the Calgary Centennials, and Marion Hosa, the former uh, Portland Winterhawk, is number 41. So now you were part of the process of picking the list of uh, the original 125 names, weren't you? Yes, uh, yes, I was. And uh, we, need, we need to be clear that the, the the top 125, if you will, wasn't really a top 125. We were asked or instructed to pick 25 players from each of the five 10-year segments uh, in WHL history. So, um, you know, you might have been able to take 40 from, from one 10-year stretch and, and maybe 20 from another, but that's not what they wanted. They wanted 25 from each one, so that's what they gave them. And then uh, they put it all together and, and came up with the, you know, the, the top 125. There were six or seven of us, I think, plus plus some league officials. And they put out the top 125, and then they asked for a fan vote, and that's what they, they actually started releasing it. Uh, they released the first five names here in Kamloops last weekend during the Hockey Day in Canada uh, celebrations. And then, uh, as you mentioned, five more came out yesterday. Right, and I, and I think they're going to do it every Thursday for the for till they're down to the, the top five, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, and then they're going to do the last five, I believe, at the, at the WHL Awards dinner. Or, or luncheon, I guess it is now. So when you see, and I mean, when it's up to fan voting, it can always be a little iffy because they tend to lean towards more recent guys. Um, and sometimes you tend, you know, there could be maybe a tendency towards guys who, who um, you know, played on good teams. That's obviously going to help their, their exposure as well. From the 10 guys who are on the list so far, are you comfortable where everybody is at? Um, well, there's a couple that I I didn't have 
um, Duncan Keith for starters. Uh, I, I didn't put a whole lot of stock or, or give them a, a whole lot of credit for what they've done outside what's happened outside the WHL. I, I really focused on WHL achievement, and Duncan Keith is, is. I mean, it's hard to take anything away from his NHL career. Uh, he's got more Stanley Cup Cup rings than you and me combined. But uh, he only played uh, half a season in, in the WHL, and I didn't have Marion Hossa on my list. He only he only played one season, and uh, you know as good a season as it was, I, I just think because you're you're asked for the top 50, um, when you start including uh, guys like that, it, it really takes away from some some players who who really had good junior careers uh, in, in the WHL, and believe me when I tell you that it wasn't easy, uh, you know, picking the, the 25 from each 10-year segment, and it was darn near impossible to come up with, with 50. I mean, it, 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 it took me, uh, I, I would guess, the better part of four weeks wow. to, uh, to come up with my 50. It, it, it was really, really tough. Well, you raise a good point about Keith, that this is a list for how they played in the WHL not how they played once they got to the NHL. But, you know, people see Duncan Keith's name on that list, and there's probably the assumption uh, that, that he was uh, as good in the WHL as he was in the NHL, which, which, which isn't fair. How, how did you do it comparing between the, the eras? I mean, Rob Brown had over 200 points, and what did Ryan Nugent Hopkins have in his draft year, 106 or, or yeah. whatever it was? Yeah. So how, yeah. how, did, how, how did you manage that? Well, it, 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 it's, I, I tried to. I asked myself when I was looking at a player, was he the best in his era, if you will? Because you know the the, the game has changed so much um, from the you know the, the Rob Brown days to what we have now, and it, it, there's also a dividing line when the when the NHL uh, went to the 18-year-old draft. Um, the teams before then, the the, the last. Uh, powerhouse, if you will, before that was was the Brandon Wheat Kings of 78-79, and then they had the 18-year-old draft, and things changed markedly after that, and um, there, you know, there's more teams now, uh, you know, the, it, it, it's not as intense, the, the, the product isn't nearly what it was um, you know, in, 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 the, in the certainly in, in the 70s, so it, it really had to try and, it was almost like all-star teams, but don't compare guys from the 70s to guys from the 90s, because it's 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 just impossible. And when when you take a hard look back like that, it, it is it, it's really an eye opener as to how many really good players there were. Uh, I mean, when when I uh, when when the WHL asked me, you know, if I wanted to be involved in this, uh, you know, I just said, sure, why not? Been around long enough, I know all the names, sure. Well, then I started, and it was, oh yeah, boy, he, you know, uh, Jimmy Harrison with with the Estevan Bruins, he was really good. Greg Polis, you know, go, going back that far, uh, it, it, it was mind-numbing how many really, really good players there are. And you know, how, how do you compare a, a Jim Harrison or a Bobby Clark or a Reggie Leach to to players from today? All right, a couple more for you, Greg. This this is this is great stuff. I find this really really interesting. Will there be? Do you, do you expect there will be any oil kings in the top fifty, either current era or uh, original era? Oh, that's a, that's a good question. You know, I don't even I don't know if I had any on on, uh, on my. There will be lots of uh, quite a few Edmontonians right. uh, or players from from that area for for sure. Uh, um, Mike, no, Mike Rogers played with Calgary. 
he was on my list. I don't know if I had any Oil Kings yeah, on my I'm list. I'm trying to think now. But I should have checked the original 125 when I asked you that first. Um, like the the, the be- one I'm curious about right now is Mike Comrie, because he was not on my list. Um, wasn't on my 125. Um, you know, and, and uh, he and Duncan Keith, to be honest with you, wouldn't have been on my top two or two or three hundred, just because they only played half a season. But if Duncan Keith is there, um, you know, Mike Comrie went to uh, went to Kootenay, played half a season, and, and was better than two points a game. So if you have Duncan Jeez. Keith there, how do you not have Mike Comrie there? So I'm, I'm curious to see if, if Comrie's going to be on there. All right, and then i got to ask you about Rob Brown, because as you know, he and I host the Oilers post-game show together after after every game, right. and he was just an incredibly prolific scorer. I think he still has the league record for points in a season. Rob's pretty modest. All he said to me once was, well, I should probably be in the top ten. I wonder if he should be <laughs> even higher than that. I have a feeling he'll be higher than that. Uh, I'd be surprised. I'd be shocked if he isn't in the top five. The, the only thing that, that, that scares me a little bit, and you, you alluded to it earlier, is you know today's fans voting what's freshest in their memory. And uh, you know some of them may look, look back at some of the numbers, if they even did look back, and think some of those numbers were just impossible, that uh, so, right. someone had to be cheating. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure Rob wasn't cheating. Well, I can tell you that... Uh, I, I wasn't. Uh, I wasn't asked to rank them. I was just asked for the top uh, to give my top fifty, and I gave them a, a list in alphabetical order. But I can tell you that, that my number one player would have been Builder Lego, and, and Rob Brown would have been uh, right there, second or third, close behind him. Well, I'm going to have to tell him that because he'll be he'll be honored to hear that coming from you, and Greg. If I lived right. in the West um, and seen him more than I saw Builder Lego, maybe I'd have Rob Brown at the top. It, it was really close. It was a tough assignment. Well, we should talk again once they actually release the the top five because that that is going to be some incredible chatter and, and a great walk down memory lane. For sure, Greg. We really appreciate it. Yeah, it's always it is always so good to have you on the show. And uh, yeah, people can go to the WHL website to check this out and see how how the list is going. Really appreciate it, Greg. My pleasure, Reed. Anytime. Excellent stuff. That is Greg Drinnen. He has been uh, covering the WHL for. Uh, well, longer than some of us <laughs> have been alive, and he knows his stuff. That was great to have him on. Uh, that is great to have him on. So, perfect stuff. Okay, seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You can text us. Text us at six thirty six thirty. Inside Sports is presented by AMA. Be listing tomorrow as the Oilers take on the Jets. Pre-game at six thirty. Puck drop at eight. AMA safety and savings for your family. It is eight forty-five. I'm live at the. Terwilliger Rec Center for the Family Day Classic. A little more on this special event when we get back. Hi, this is Taylor Hall from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. It is 849. Really cool to be spending the Friday show at the Terwilliger Rec Center. It's the Family Day Classic raising funds for the Stollery Children's Hospital Foundation. They're well over a million and a half dollars through the first five years of their existence. This is year number six, and I'm pleased to be joined by one of the many tournament volunteers, Dan Serdakny. Dan, thanks for dropping by. Thank you very much, Reed. Great to be here. I should ask you, how, how many volunteers are in, involved in this? Um, endless. There's hundreds of volunteers that help 
put this tournament together. There's hours and hours, not just through this weekend. Uh, putting together a tournament of, uh, with 80 teams requires uh, an enormous amount of great people. And, you know, we've raised $1.5 over the first five years. Um, you know, money is a big part of, uh, of, of charity, but the, the donation and gift of time is of equal importance. And we're very, very fortunate just to have some wonderful people uh, to help us make this tournament such a great success. All right. There's so many games uh, going on. It goes all the way through to Monday. And, again, people can go to Family Day Classic. Com. The schedules are there, uh, and uh, the novice through bantam divisions, and so many silent auction stuff. So, I mean, I imagine the volunteers are into that too, getting getting the donations, doing all this setup because it looks great. The jerseys hanging up, the table set up, so so many things you can come take a look at. Yeah, Edmonton's a beautiful city, and there's so many wonderful things to do on a family day long weekend. Even if you're not a hockey fan, you mentioned the silent auction table. There's some amazing, amazing jerseys, giveaways, golf packages. Um, that if you're you're looking for something special for maybe somebody on Valentine's Day, there's definitely some options there for you and uh, a beautiful place to spend some time with your family it's uh, you know hockey brings families together from parents kids grandparents and aunts and uncles and you know please come by and say hello and uh, there's certainly some great hockey um, great paraphernalia uh, and it's never too late to donate to you mentioned familydayclassic.com um, you know it's uh, it's just a great event and so please do come down and, and say hi you know, we're we got a ched table set up here, and we have we have a, the draw going on for Oilers tickets too. And you know, I was talking to some of the, the kids as they go by. They they all seem to be a pretty big fan of the four on four. It's something a little different. It's something that you know, Steve, uh, myself, Pat Dumali, um, we we came up with this idea you know, six-plus years ago, and it's just a little bit of a different way um, to utilize an hour of ice. You know, quite often in minor hockey and novice and Adam, you're dealing with three 13-minute stop time periods. Quite often the clock is dropped down to two minutes when there's five minutes left in that hour. So your kids are really only getting sometimes 35 minutes of activity through the course of an hour. This tournament with two 25-minute halves, four-on-four, it's controlled chaos in a way it's so much fun to uh to watch um also to coach i'm fortunate enough to have my son cole this year in the novice division and proud to be a, a coach of the confederation thunder um it is uh you don't have much of a voice at the end of it uh, whether you're coaching or you're cheering um it's open ice the kids are you know you know you have to move the puck you have to take short shifts and with penalties um, they're allocated as penalty shots at the end of the game so you could be up six to three and maybe taking a few too many penalties and you can be walking away uh, um you know not a loser but you know um on the other end of the score at the end of the game and, yeah. and vice versa you could be losing going in and and uh, at the shootout depending on how many penalties were taken by the opposing team you could be walking away uh victor as well well, Dan, I'm glad you had enough voice for this interview. I guess it's glad we had, we did it at the beginning of the tournament as opposed to the end. If, uh, if it was Monday, we could have been in big trouble. It's been a long day so far, but I'm looking forward to just a wonderful weekend, and I appreciate uh, you coming down tonight, and uh, thank you for your help. And um, from Demores Mercado to ATB Financial, Murray's Trucking, um, we're very, very fortunate to have great sponsors that help us as well. But the main... Um, premise of this tournament was from kids giving back to kids and our kids are you know uh are the biggest donators but our sponsors are um are great people and always uh step up to help us every single year 
Dan, thanks for dropping by. Thank you very much, Reed. Appreciate much it. Appreciate it. That is Dan Serdakny, tournament volunteer here for the Family Day Classic. We're live at the Terwilliger Rec Center, heading into the uh, final few minutes of the week. Inside Sports on 6:30, Chet Kellen Kennedy has been slaving away, toiling in the heat furnace of the 6:30, Chet Broadcasting Compound. It's What's actually really nice in here tonight. It's 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 very bearable. Uh, I have a, <laughs> a an iced coffee beside me and just sitting back and watching the yep. Young Stars game here, which is now you a know, final. USA won 150, 157 to 154. You know, sometimes I'm so cold in the talk studio, Chet, I have to wear a shawl. Yeah. I just, I just go to Brian Hall's closet and get myself a nice designer shawl. See, I was trying to figure out who the the, the strange figure in the shawl was. Is that's that me. you? Oh, that's, that's you. Okay, that's me. Yes, I, I, I thought I, it was Obi Wan Kenobi, but anyway, no, that's that's me wearing the shawl. I also look a little bit like uh, the mother from Psycho. But anyway, that's a boy. I, I worked in a Star Trek reference and an Alfred Hitchcock movie reference tonight. You are I'm on pretty, a roll. Pretty, pretty proud of myself. Okay, uh, final look at the scoreboard here. Uh, still 3-0, Coyotes leading the Flames after two. Buffalo beat Montreal 6-4. Kings over the Rangers 5-4 in overtime. The Penguins beat Carolina 2-1 in a shootout. Also in a shootout, Colorado 3, Detroit 2 in overtime. Lightning over the Predators 4-3. The Blues beat the Panthers 5-3. Golden Bears hockey, third period just underway at Mount Royal. The Bears are winning 7-2. And... American Hockey League action tonight. Anders Nielsen just sent down by the Oilers to Bakersfield earlier this week. Nielsen faced 20 shots in the first period. He allowed one goal, and it's 1-1 between Bakersfield and Ontario after the first period. Anton Slepeshev uh, with the goal. Matthew Ford, the assist for the Oilers' uh, farm team. Justin Auger scored for the L.A. Kings' farm team. Uh, we, you know, we've seen that in the NHL. The Kings badly out shooting the Oilers. Well, the same thing happening at the farm team level. Shots 20 to 8 after the first period. Tomorrow, I will sign on at 6.30 from Rexall Place, the City Ford Faceoff Show, to get you ready for the Oilers and the Jets. The game will start at 8. On Monday, we will have a best of edition of Inside Sports. The guests will include JC Sherritt, Warren Moon, Ken Danico, and Jason Strudwick. That'll be fun. To listen to that Oilers hockey game again on uh, Tuesday and then a brand new edition of Inside Sports on Wednesday. The studio producer tonight has been Kellen Kennedy. Thanks to our engineer Mike Evans for setting us up on location at Terwilliger Rec Center at the Family Day Classic. Again, familydayclassic.com. It's on all weekend. My name is Reed Wilkins. Coming up to 9 o'clock. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you have a great, great long weekend. He found a nightclub he could work at the door. She had a guitar and she taught him some chords. The sky.